Cheerscast is part of the Fire and Water Network. Good afternoon, everybody. Well, I am going to need something to kill time before my second beer. How about a first one? Glad you come in today, Norm. Big day. Well, what's going on? Miss Boston Bombades contest. They're picking the finalists today. What is it? What is it, Paul? It's only the biggest event of the year. Big words can't describe it. Uh, a bunch of waitresses serve drinks and one of them wins. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. Hello and welcome back to Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm Ryan Daly, and I am contractually obligated to welcome my guest for this episode. <laughs> he is one of the founders of the Fire and Water Network, the host of Justice League International Bwahaha Podcast, and the co-host of the Fire and Water Podcast and Who's Who, the definitive podcast of the DC Universe. You know him. You tolerate him. Ladies and gentlemen, the irredeemable shag. And everyone yells, Shag, as I walk in. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. Welcome to the show, finally. Yeah, I know, but no, thanks for having me. I Actually, I, I held off. I, I, I gave you a pass and said, you know what, let me get a little further into my rewatch, and then maybe I'll allow you to invite me to your show. Sure. And, well, you know, booking a guest of your... I don't want to say caliber. Uh, <laughs> booking a guest of Status, your, yeah, your your reputation, your street cred. Um, you know, I had to be sure that I paired you with the right episode, and I think we accomplished that uh, because you are here to help me discuss <laughs> season one, episode eighteen, called "No Contest." The reasons for that shall be made clear for the audience pretty soon. But first, please tell us your Cheers origin story. How and when did you discover the show? I'm guessing by the end it'll probably be my last time on the show as well. But anyway, um, for me, I did not discover the show right out of the gate. I knew of it. It was pretty uh, prolific. I don't know if prolific is the right word, but it's pretty well known amongst the press and the news and people talking about it pretty early on. Because you've talked about all the accolades it got and everything, but I didn't really try it, and I don't know exactly why. But for me, I tried it in the fourth season. Right at the beginning, um, basically when they introduced Woody, mm-hmm. uh, I, th- I think my first episode was Woody's first episode. I'm pretty sure. So, and you know, the, by that point, Frazier uh, had been left at the altar by Diane and was still hanging around the bar. 
And I think that may be part of the reason why, actually, that Frazier and Woody are my favorite characters is because I, I was sort of meeting them and getting to know them better the same time everyone else was. Mm-hmm. And you guys have often talked about how, like, you know, when they would do reruns, they didn't show the older episodes. They didn't show the ones with Coach and stuff like that because they wanted to show the current team when they did reruns. So for the longest time, I didn't see many Coach episodes. And until, oh, gosh, maybe even recently, I never – don't think I ever saw an episode of Diane and Sam in a relationship, you know, season two, basically. Right. I, I don't remember ever seeing any of those growing up. So when I came along for season, you know, Diane's kind of on her way out pretty much. I mean, two, she's got what, two seasons left there. She was the antagonist. She wasn't happy on the set. You know, there's all those stories about it. So I didn't, I was one of those folks that didn't really like Diane. So I didn't feel a big connection to her. And then it wasn't until I started rewatching it, you know, based honestly on the suggestion of your podcast was I realized how amazing Shelley Long is. And I don't need to sit here and, and talk about that because every episode it's 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 like when I do my Justice League show. Everyone talks about how much they love Guy Gardner. We get it. Everybody <laughs> loves Guy Gardner. You know, OK, yes, we get it. Everybody loves Shelley Long and rightfully so. She is an amazing actress. She's so freaking good. So that's my origin. I'll give you a little more information just because I like talking. Uh, I used to manage a comic book store and we had a guy who would come in every single week week on comic book day he would come in right as we finished the comics he had the biggest stack of comics up more than anyone else every week i mean just this giant guy dropped tons of cash he was kind of a bigger dude and so he would come in the shop and everyone in the shop would actually yell norm <laughs> that wasn't his name but that's what everyone would yell and he loved it. He, he he loved beer and he loved comics and it was like the perfect melding of things he was our norm <laughs> nice nice so when your podcast came along, it rekindled my interest. I started rewatching the show on Netflix, actually with my family. Uh, I watched it with my wife and my 12-year-old daughter and was amazed how much all of us enjoyed it. I mean, we were all laughing out loud all the time. And my 12-year-old daughter, I'm like thinking, I'm thinking she'll, she'll make it through one episode, right, is what I thought. She loved it. She would ask me, Dad, can we watch more Cheers? So she really, really got into it. It's, it's timeless. The humor really works. They didn't focus on too many you know, subjects that were specific to that time period that, that, that you couldn't at least grasp years later. Later. So uh, it's been wonderful. So far, we've finished a, a season and a half, but we uh, I'll be honest, we have slowed down a little bit. Uh, part of his life gets in the way. And the other is once you get into season two and Diane and Sam are together, there's a whole lot of talk about sex. <laughs> and I mean, my 12 year old knows the, the deal. Actually, she'll be by the time this episode comes out, I think she'll be 13, actually. But um, so she knows how it works, but still, I don't need to put it in her face as much. So right. anyway. And uh, here's one more note for you. My daughter listened to your first episode of the show, uh, of your podcast. She doesn't listen to anybody. She doesn't listen to my podcast. So she actually listened to the first episode of Cheers cast when she fell in love with Cheers. And she said – and she was very complimentary. She said your show was – it was okay. <laughs> That's a huge compliment coming from a kid. <laughs> well, you know, Rob was one of my guests on that first episode. Has she heard more podcasts with Rob than with you? <laughs> it's quite possible at this point. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I remember like when when we first started this podcast, you kind of messaged me and you said that you told me that you were watching it and even your daughter was getting into it, and I loved hearing that. Like that was great. Like it, knowing for a fact that you know, or having the anecdotal evidence that somebody who wasn't even born when this show was canceled, you know, a decade earlier, right, can get into this show and watch it for the first time and be like, yeah, I get it. I get the jokes. I see it. I'm I'm digging this or something like that. That is fantastic. That that really shows like the staying power and how how authentic and, and genuinely funny the show can be so yeah i mean it's it's, it's carefully crafted the jokes mm-hmm. are strong they, they're based in around character they're not just gags mm-hmm. you know 
There's yeah. there's real genuine humor in there, and again, most of it's sort of evergreen. It's timeless. So yeah, yeah, that's really kind well. of the thing. It it didn't date itself very often because it avoided a lot of pop culture references or things like that. Um, <laughs> ironically, <laughs> ironically, the very first joke in this episode does time it. That day. <laughs> there, you, anyway. there you go. I was actually going to say that, but uh, well, let's, let's actually let's get into this episode then. Um, so, season one, episode eighteen, called No Contest. The episode was written by Heidi Perlman, directed by James Burr. The original air date was Thursday, February 17th, 1983. About, what do we say, 36 years ago almost to the time we're recording this? Crazy. Cheers is hosting the annual Miss Boston Barmaid competition, and Diane is one of the finalists after Sam enters her in the contest without her knowledge. The very thought of such a degrading female competition is disgusting to Diane, and she refuses to take part until she learns that reporters from the local media will be in attendance. On the day of the competition, Diane plans to denounce the contest, the judges, the whole misogynist system. But she holds her tongue when the MC tells her that the winner of the contest will be interviewed on a local radio program. With a chance to spread her message of female empowerment to an even wider audience, Diane decides to go along with the contest. When Sam discovers her plan to criticize the competition, he attempts to sabotage her by playing on her insecurities, which manifest as a nervous facial tick in front of the judges. But Diane turns what could have been an embarrassing defeat into an appeal to the judges' sense of compassion and humanity. And when the contest is over, Diane Chambers is crowned Miss Boston Barmaid 1983. The stage is hers to denounce the contest and its superficial standards of beauty and servitude. Until she hears the grand prize is an all-expenses-paid trip to Bermuda. Then Diane turns into a bouncing, shrieking, giggling mess, completely (laughs) undercutting and forgetting her original message. Oh, why on earth did I decide to pick you for this episode? Because they're all hot? Is that what you want me to say? I'm yes. pretty sure that's what you want me to say. That was, that was it. That was it. Was like... Therefore, I have apparently uh, stood by the standards of this contest. So great. <laughs> I feel wonderful. Thank you, Ryan. We already teased it a little bit, but I didn't mention it in the recap. Um, the teaser for this episode, before we get into the main plot, features a cameo appearance from the then Speaker of the House of Representatives, Congressman Tip O'Neill from Massachusetts. <laughs> um, this is not the first celebrity cameo in the series. I mean, technically, uh, baseball player Louis Tiant appeared in right. one of the earlier episodes, but this was a big deal. I mean... He was Speaker of the House of Representatives, and he shows and just kind of walks into the bar, and they're like, "Hey, what are you doing here?" And he mentions how he's actually he stumbled, he snuck in there to get away from Diane because she was kind of pestering him. <laughs> so that was good. So, what did you think of this teaser with Tip O'Neill? Oh, I thought it was hilarious, uh, and, and my whole even my daughter thought it was funny. And she had no idea who he was. It was, right, it, was right. it was crafted well. And, you know, people forget he was a bit of a celebrity back then. He would do these kinds of appearances and everyone knew who he was. So I, I do want to mention something. So the first the, – the opener part, you know where they always go like, you know, Cheers is filmed in front of a live studio audience. They actually had Cliff do it this time, mm-hmm. which is a nice testament considering he's still not in the opening credits, right? No. And Cliff actually goes, it's a little known fact. Yep. Cheers is filmed in front of a live studio audience, which cracked me up. But here's why I wanted to bring that up because – I wonder if the, that cold open was filmed in front of a studio, or I, don't, I guess it's not a cold open, the teaser. I wonder if that was actually filmed in front of the live studio audience. Because if it was, when Tip O'Neill walked in, the crowd should have exploded hmm. and cheered. There was no 
noise, no no difference at all in the cheering or clapping or anything when Tip O'Neill walked in, which made me go, huh. I wonder if maybe because they you know they, they could only get him for a certain time or you know whatever he's a busy guy I don't know it made me wonder if that part was actually filmed in front of the audience. I mean, it's entirely possible. I mean, that could have just been a canned laugh track for that segment, and they filmed his his part in isolation. It's also possible that the audience was just prepped that they knew what the scene was going to be. Like, the, yeah, you know, that's true. The, the director or members of the cast were kind of like warming them up, and they're like, in this scene, we're going to have Congressman Tip O'Neill. And maybe they said, just don't react when you see him. The joke is going to come later on when Norm recognizes him. Um, yeah, if you want to ruin all the fun and come up with that, you know, no prize, that's fine. But, <laughs> but yeah, I, it's, it's really clever. I love how, uh, you know, Cliff eggs Norman, which is super fun and about all of it. And it, it works out very, very well. It's, it doesn't make fun of Tip O'Neill, and yet it f- makes fun of politicians. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it just works on a lot of levels. Yeah, and what I like, I mean, you mentioned, like, how he was sort of like, he was pretty well known. Like, I was impressed. Like, I wouldn't say they got a great performance out of him, but they gave him a little bit to work with. It wasn't like he went on there and just started doing, like, the talking points that you would expect necessarily, like, a politician to do. Like, he was having some fun, kind of, like, riffing with them, and, mm-hmm. you know, it was it was nice. They kind of gave him a part, something to do, and it was cool, so... Yeah, like, and, and and when I say he's a bit of a celebrity, even as a kid, I knew who Tip O'Neill was. Whereas I don't know that my daughter knows who the Speaker of the House is now. So he, um, I don't know if it was Saturday Night Live he'd appear, but somewhere I knew him from pop culture stuff. So mm, yeah, yeah. anyway, it was fun. And then you go into the opening credits, and I got to tell you, because of your show, whenever they show the title card for Cheers, I can only see the <laughs> drunken guy under the table. That's the all I can guy see. Under the table looking at the woman. Yeah. Yep, and it's all well. He's like laying on her leg. Like, yeah, yeah. Out. It's all y'all's fault. I tell you, <laughs> I love it. So. So then, after after the credits, it's like one of Norm's. Like I don't I don't know if it's like an obvious. It's not necessarily one that's like best remembered, but of like all of Norm's kind of entrances, this is one that I've always liked. Is when he walks in, and it, like <laughs> Coach is like, "Hey, what do you need?" He's like, "Well, I'm gonna need something to kill time before my second beer. How about a first one?" <laughs> Right, I've always loved that. I'm terrible at remembering jokes. Like if you, if you tell me a funny joke, I will forget it within 30 minutes, and I cannot repeat it to anyone. That is one of the few Norm jokes I can actually remember, yeah. and I, I, I've used that one before, so I like it. It's very clever. So I have a um, question here. G- getting into it with with the contest and everything, how did Diane not know the bar was hosting that big event? I mean, they, they had to have been planning it for weeks. They've got a sure. banner up and everything. How how was she completely unaware that was going to happen? The, yeah, that's that's really in- incredulous. And like, unless like they, I mean, they they always sort of I, they kind of have to play a little bit silly like about like how many people actually work at the bar and what their like work schedules are and everything like that like they they can never really be too realistic in terms of things like that so like if she just hadn't been there but yeah it it does seem a little bit like ridiculous or or how long like when she finds out that they are hosting that she's a competition between that time and whenever the the actual competition is if that was a longer stretch of time that we don't see but yeah it's kind of tough you you mentioned employees you know i i wonder is there a third our fourth waitress that we just never see. By rights, there should be, but yeah, no. there I mean, be. Like, we 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 never really get the sense that anybody else works there. It's just like that group, which really should just be like one shift out of many, like a bar that size to be open seven days a week and everything. And especially like after season five, when Diane leaves, Carla's the only waitress. There. Oh, real? Oh, that's right, because Rebecca's not a waitress. Yeah, You're Rebecca's right. not a waitress. Like she's the manager, so they get by with just two bar- bartenders and one waitress for six seasons. Like that doesn't work. A bar can't survive like that. A bar that size with that many patrons? Like, no way. Well, 
Especially later, because it's like a fern bar, right? By that yeah. point, yeah. <laughs> yes, so, yeah, yeah. You know, they're serving Monte Cristos or whatever it was at Benigan. So yeah, right. absolutely. I mean, they'll, they'll occasionally have an episode where they'll have like a guest waitress or something like that. Like one of Carla's kids wait, is a waitress at one right. point, and, <laughs> right. and Woody's girlfriend Kelly comes in for one day. Um, but like that's yeah, that's kind of it. Like so yeah, like a realistic. They should have had like a staff of like five or six waitresses with alternating shifts and different days and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so yeah, sort of, I mean, kind of big picture, I mean, we're, we're already kind of getting into the details, but big picture, what did you think of this episode? Oh, I thought it was a hoot. It was a lot of fun. The The contest idea is very clever. I love seeing Diane's outrage over it. I love that at the very end, she crumbles and <laughs> caves on her own strength, her own position, which is sort of weird uh, that she would do that, but... um. I don't want to. Lead, I don't want to. I don't want to lead too much into my 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 envy or the the funniest part of the mm. show. So I'm gonna. I, I'll hold that comment. But as far as the contest goes, you know, it's a perfect setup because the great thing about Cheers, you guys talk about it all the time. It's like a play where you are stuck in the one room, mm-hmm. and it, it uses the space perfectly to host it all. It, it's a clever usage of of all the components to make it all come together. Is it a highbrow episode that makes you think at the end? No, not by any means. It's a silly fluff piece. It really is, but it makes for a fun one with a lot of fun gags yeah it, it, it's a it's a funny episode it, it it does have those jokes the thing i keep like uh, coming back to like is thing, looking at this episode today and i i think diane is handled really well in this episode because they keep throwing in obstacles for a reason for her to do this competition that she finds morally repugnant and mm-hmm. they keep throwing like this. It's like, well, if you go along with it just a little bit longer, you can denounce it to a wider audience. You can yeah. have a bigger microphone, a bigger platform to push your agenda. If you just play ball like this, and, and they just keep on teasing her until she actually wins, and then it's like too late. She's like just completely sold out. And she actually mentioned selling out by the end of it. But on the other side of the things, like. When she calls Sam on, on actually, like, she's like, wow, how could you, like, host this thing? How could you put me in here? How could you enter me in this? Like, does Sam have an argument in his defense? Like, in 2019, would we, like, is there a place for this type of competition? Is there any, does, does this, a, does this episode hold up that way? I guess. Um, as far as the competition goes, I don't know that there's anything necessarily wrong with it. It wouldn't. It it should shouldn't be bar made. It would be like bar server or something like that, and men and women could equally be entered and such. I don't think there's a problem with competition on who's the best server. That makes sense. But if it's just a beauty contest, then yeah, that's a whole different shebang. Now, I, you mentioned Sam. I want to point out, he is the worst in this episode. <laughs> he is a terrible human being in many ways, even for 1983 standards. I mean, come on, this is not a post, you know, post-history judgment. No, this is a 1983 judgment. First of all, he enters in, into this beauty contest basically without asking her. Second, he goes through her freaking wallet. <laughs> yes. And plays it off like it's her fault. And then, to undermine her, mentions her facial tic Mm -hmm. to make sure she screws up. It's like, wow, you are a complete jackass, Sam. Now, it's all funny, it's hilarious, but he's a terrible person. He he really is. Kind of, that was the point that I was getting to. I was like, no, he's wrong at every step of this episode. Um, up to and including, like, when he, you know, he's, like, challenging, like, he's, like, hey, it, like, he tries to, like, emotionally blackmail her into do this. He's, like, if you don't do this, we're not going to be friends anymore. And she's, like, I'll do it because she's already decided that she's going to, like, denounce it and everything. And then he's, like, hey, you go to bed with me or we're not friends.
friends anymore. And she sla- she rightly slaps him in the face. And it's a great slap. Yeah, and he's really, like, whoosh, she just walks away. She's not even mad. She's yeah, like, oh, another day at the office. Yeah, she, she's just like, you deserve that. And he's like, okay, I understand. I, I, we, we, now we know where the line is. Or he just, friendships I, only go so far or something right. like that, yeah. And I think the way I, I think you know it, it, this could have made Sam unlikable and this could have been really damaging to his character but I think by the end of it and this is just a, a strength of the writers and like the staff and like producers they knew the show and they knew what to do with it by the end of it he's he's laid low because he actually like Diane lets him dangle she she's still in control by the end of it when you know she's got these two tickets to Bermuda he's like hey you know you want to pay me back for you know helping you get this uh, like opportunity and the experience of being in the bar he's like take me to Bermuda and he, she's like no 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 he's, he's like hey hey I promise I'll be a perfect gentleman you know he's probably going to say the whole thing like different rooms different beds you know would never do anything like that and she kind of lets him dangle like like that's what's going to be and she's like well if you're going to be a perfect gentleman there's no way I'm taking you she's like absolutely not and kind of throws it like slams the door right in his face that way I think that helps kind of relieve it the fact that he does get his comeuppance that way yeah well it also is, 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 nice the just, of- is the his just rewards for being an ass throughout the episode well, it's also, as you guys always talk about sort of the button. It's a button on an episode-long joke where I mean, he comes on to her a lot in this episode. Yes, he does. Here, it, she's, she's flipped the script. Right. She's coming on to him. Yeah, the episode before this was with her, her perfect date, which was Andy Andy, which by the end of that episode, you know, he has admitted that he has a crush on her and he wants yep. her. And she's actually teased out of him and she uses it to torture him by the end of that episode. But now, like, they're in full-on everything they say is flirtatious and it's kind of an it's not a secret anymore that they want each other they're just playing with each other and, and teasing each other this way yeah so. so so a few things about the contest itself oh you know about okay about the contest and about diane i do want to say you know, she gave up on her principles right so mm-hmm. uh, here's where i'm going to say diane's a bad person as well because first of all yes gave up on her principles that she shouldn't have done that but more importantly and you're going to have to go with me. You're not going to trust me here at first. But she's actively trying to undermine the contest, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's the wrong thing to do because uh, she could actually hurt the reputation of Cheers, the place where she works. She oh, could yeah. hurt Cheers' reputation by doing this. Now, if she had removed herself from the contest and protested as a citizen of Boston, I think that's perfectly fine and probably merited. But to enter the contest and then purposely try to tear it down from within, which could hurt Sam's livelihood i think that's kind of wrong yeah i can sort of see that i understand i also i keep coming back to the the idea of like the nature of the competition in general and what you were saying like where you know if they had just made this about you know like a bar servant or bar you know service like award or something like that because when you actually look at what's involved in this competition they take the orders from the judge one time go to the bar and then bring their drinks back like that is the extent of the competition that we see it's like is this something that we need to see a competition for? Is like this is this worthy of a contest? There's there's a later season episode that revisits the Boston Barmaid contest. We're actually Seriously. They, yeah, where Carla is actually they, she does uh, get to be entered in the contest. And they she wasn't, actually she wasn't prego for one. Yeah, okay. they they drag it out and they make it longer. There are other like sort of like categories and it, it, it you go, you know, you get more than just like 30 seconds from each competent contestant really. Um 
and there's a there's a great joke in that because Sam, uh, because like Carla is sort of like the outlier because Sam has this whole chart with like graphs and numbers and everything of like all like the the past winners with their beauty like measurements and everything like that their physical prowess and everything and how like the hottest one always wins and he's got like this whole thing like charted and like somebody like points it like there's one outlier in his data it's like what is that one and he's like oh that's the year Diane won. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, oh, that's great. Yeah. So bon- Bonnie, one of the contestants, I I knew uh, the minute I saw her, I'm like, oh, I have seen her in a million things. And I went mm-hmm. back and looked at her IMDb. Oh, yeah, she's been in tons and tons of stuff. Tough, uh, you know, National Lampoon's Vacation, Night Court, all kinds of stuff. But the funniest bit is she, she's the waitress. She's in like a, you know, a, a typical waitress outfit, black and white, sort of almost like a maid's outfit. Yeah, almost like a and French she, maid look. Yep. And she's got the cleavage that just goes down for miles. And right. she's very, very chesty. And that's part of the joke. It's because Diane's sitting next to her. <laughs> right. Diane, Diane is blatantly looking at the girl's cleavage and then would look at her own so then she pulls her shirt off her uh, pulls it down around her shoulders to be a little sexier tries to puff out her chest a little bit and then looks back at the girl's cleavage looks back to hers and she just kind of goes his shoulders like oh well whatever yeah she just like shrugs she's like i'm not gonna win this way yeah <laughs> which is hysterical <laughs> i love when each of the contestants is being introduced like the first one Yvonne, she she mentions how she's like in modeling school and all these other things and then the second one she goes up there and she talks about how she wants to like travel and go to all these places and then bonnie goes up there and looking like a french maid and also pretty ditzy kind of like kind of a stereotypical dumb blonde she's like i want to be the i i just want like being a waitress in the best city in the world and she starts to sit out and then she goes back she's like, oh i mean boston like, <laughs> yeah. the doy. so you get the sense of who these women are like all based on physical attraction and, everything. and diane walks up there and she's like my name is diane chambers and i want someday to be known as the voice of my generation right i love that, that was almost my like my high point for this episode i just love the way she sets that up and the guy, when, she, when he sends her back to her seat, he says something like Diane Chambers, humanist or something humanist, like that. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. And she and she ends up giving the speech like you know, Sam triggers the facial tick. Mm. And she, she she's backpedaling, trying to figure out how to get out of this. And by the end, she's quoting Gone with the Wind, you know. Yes. But God is my witness. I will never be hungry again, which was hysterical. I had to explain that joke to my daughter. She did yeah. not get that joke. But uh, it was just funny and how everyone's you know, standing on their feet cheering for her. You know, it's like you said, the contest is sort of ridiculous. But at the end of the day, I, again, I feel like I walk away from this episode. It's just with lots of good laughs. Yeah. Yeah. There are a few good ones. I really um, – another one that almost made my, my list for like the favorite part was when Sam walks in and he's talking about like the what they're looking for, the judges and everything. And, and Carla's like, why can't it be me? He's like, you know, they don't take pregnant women. And then he's like, the what the judges are looking for, they're judged on perky, perch, congenial – and fun and carla's like so or she's like she's like i'm not any of those things like you're pregnant honey he's like so that proves i'm congenial right (laughs) well she's so angry too i like her rage about you like you know it's fun uh i gotta talk about paul a little bit yeah the cliff versus paul subplot is like this weird little thing in the middle of it which is this i think is the second time this sort of tertiary bar fight paul who's only in the first season and it was kind of like they were they were trying him out like seeing if he could he could make the bigs and clearly it wasn't his time cliff got it but this guy wasn't doing it but yeah it's like the second time where he's kind of like nagged paul uh, nagged cliff and made fun of him well, i think i think that's his function is to be the irritating guy in the bar because you've got the you know you've got the the guy in the bar everybody loves you've got mm-hmm. the bar know-it-all then you've got to have a bar antagonist you know mm-hmm. it just makes sense you you have that in a bar you have the guy that pisses everybody off so i think paul serves that role and he is damned irritating yeah. i mean he got on my nerves 
And I don't know whether it's just the really harsh Boston accent yeah. or his attitude, whatever it is. But I mean, it's it's effective. Yeah. But just in a show that's so much fun, I guess he's too not likable. Yeah, yeah. But so he, he's he's got all these gags going and pissing off uh, Cliff, and he's making fun of the post office. And Cliff legitimately loses his mind. He gets so angry at this guy, you know, defending the post office. And he explains it's because it's the Sears catalog. We've yes. been just yeah. really stressed. I had to explain that joke to my daughter too. But the the best part though is when you know. Cliff's like, yeah, you're making fun of us now, but when you need a letter to deliver, delivered fast, who do you go to? And then Paul just over his shoulder yells, Federal Express! And Cliff, I mean, he tries to jump across the bar and kill him, and it's so believable how angry he is. He shouts out, he's mine! Right. <laughs> he's like, climbing over Norm to get to him, and they have to hold him back, yeah. I mean, this is a 36-year-old joke, and even my daughter burst out laughing at that joke. I mean, you know, FedEx exists today. Yeah, so yeah. She lost it laughing over that one. No, yeah, that was good. And this is, like I said, like Nor- like Cliff and Paul have gone at each other before, but like this might be the first time when we really see how serious Cliff is about the, the post office and how it's not just like a commitment to him, but like if you attack the U.S. post office, like he's like, he goes at it like, you know, you're attacking, you know, God and country or something like that. It's, <laughs> this, is, this is a big deal for him. This might be the first time we've really seen this side of Cliff. Um, but yeah, that was just an interesting little like you know side joke for like a couple beats in in the first act. But yeah, that was fun. It worked well. It was funny. Both myself and my daughter got a real kick out of it, so I like that. Yeah. Well, uh, you've mentioned it a couple of times now that you've been uh, you've been watching the show with your daughter, um, and you actually you know you proposed this, and I, I gladly took the bait. You actually did a little bit of an interview with your daughter about this show, so uh, uh, this is all sorts of adorable. So I'm going to play this sound clip right now, and then we'll come back on the other side of this. This is the Irredeemable Shag, and I'm here with the Precocious Princess, who we just finished watching an episode of Cheers. So far, we've watched about a season and a half of Cheers. Really? Yeah, believe it or not, we have. In that, we've, you've met the characters, you've gone through quite a bit, uh, Sam and Diane's relationship has developed. Considering the show is almost, or at least that first season is almost 40 years old, oh my gosh, does it feel old to you? Yeah, kind of, like the way it's recorded, just okay. like a little bit. All right. Like it's not up to date like all the movies now, I guess. You mean visually? Yeah. Okay. What about the jokes? Are they still funny? I feel like the jokes could be funny anytime. They use pretty naughty like slang that was happening there. In shows now, they would use slang and that would not be cool later on, but I feel like they've made it so it could be funny now. Okay. So you do think it's funny? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we do seem to laugh quite a bit about it. Did, uh, did you like it right away or did it grow on you over time? It grew on me. See, I disagree. I think you loved it right from the start. I remember you laughing your head off and begging me to watch more episodes the first night we started watching. So who do you think on the show has the best jokes? Norm. Norm has the best Norm jokes? Norm or Cliff. I noticed tonight when Norm walked in and everyone yelled, Norm, you you said it with everyone in the bar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My best friend. Norm's your best friend? <laughs> so besides Norm and Cliff, who are the funniest? Just them. All right. What do you think of Coach? He's hilarious. I know, we've talked a lot about characters like Woody and Frazier, who you haven't met yet. But So you think once Coach is gone, you're going to miss him? Yeah. It's very sad when Coach leaves. Doesn't he die? The actor? Yeah, he passed away. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sorry. It's very sad. But his replacement, Woody, is pretty darn funny, too. I know, but the guy died that sad. It is very sad. And I'm looking forward to you meeting Frazier, because Frazier Crane is probably my who favorite. Who does he kid. take over for? Uh, Can you say Woody takes over for He actually Coach? comes on as Diane's new boyfriend. Yeah. Her and Sam don't quite work out. You can tell. <laughs> it's fair enough. They're like middle school relationships. You know how middle school relationships don't last? 
They're like always often on like middle school relationships. That's interesting observation. Yeah, it is a little bit immature, isn't it? Do you think your friends would enjoy the show? I feel like some of them would and some of them would think it's really boring. Really? I feel like my friends that like friends would probably. Oh, the, the show friends? Yeah, friends the show might like it because that one's a little bit older too. Yeah. Well, like, not as old probably, but I feel like they might like it. But like people that like Riverdale or Stranger Things, like all of those like really high production shows that just came around probably wouldn't like it. Hmm. I feel like everybody likes Friends, though, and Cheers and Friends are a little bit different. Yeah, they're both funny, though, and they both yeah. seem to be a little timeless. I mean, they seem to work. I feel like people like Friends more, though, because I've never heard of Cheers before you showed me it. <laughs> I don't know the ratings, but I would suspect Cheers probably had better ratings than Friends. But... Yeah, but now everybody likes Friends. Yeah, true. As a young lady, what did you think about this episode where Diane was in a bar contest? I don't like contests with women in them at all, so I didn't like it. How do you think Diane handled it? She did not handle it well. She should have not freaked out about the Bermuda thing and should have just, like, stayed her to her opinion. She should have stood her ground, huh? Yeah. So if someone were to hand you a free trip to a gorgeous beach tropical island with a resort, you would turn it down? If I they don't were... like the beach, so. <laughs> you live in Florida. I don't like the beach. <laughs> uh, so now Florida's we know. taken that out of me. I don't like the beach anymore. So now we know how you would have responded if you had won the prize. Okay. All right. I probably would have just taken a nap after. You know, that'll be my prize. To finally actually get sleep because school doesn't let me have sleep. Okay. So if you won, and you let's say you won the prize and you won the Tropical Island trip, who would you take from the Cheers bar with you? Norm, probably, because he would keep me fun. He would be so funny. Or like him and Carla. Him and Carla? No. Yeah. Carla could be my bodyguard, you know. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, and thank you for uh, watching Cheers with me all these times. And the nice thing is I haven't had to beg you. You've you've actually said, Dad, can we watch Cheers? So, all right, we'll sign off. And uh, what would be the appropriate way for us to sign off? We both say what? Norm. Norm. All right, we're back. Um, Before we go, before we get to kind of like our final thoughts, um, I had a little bit of a trivia thing about this episode. It's a little-known fact, again. (laughs) The script for this episode was actually based on an unproduced 1979 outline for an episode of the series Taxi. Uh, really? The outline was was called Who Will Be Miss Taxi. It was written by David Lloyd, and at the time this was produced, Lloyd was an executive story consultant on Cheers. Um, so basically said, you know, we almost did this episode on Taxi, and Heidi Perlman took it and retooled it to make it work for Cheers, and that's how this episode came about. I love the connections between something Rhea Perlman works on and something Danny DeVito works on. I love it when those threads come together. <laughs> right, right, exactly, yeah. Um, looking at the, the cast, um, the MC of the competition uh, was played by Charlie Stavola. He appeared in the movie The Rocketeer, um, for a lot of fans of this uh, podcast network like that movie. Um, also the John Travolta movie, A Civil Action, and then just a ton of TV shows from this era. Um, there were three judges... Uh, one played by Daryl Keith Roach, one played by Bob Ari, and one played by James Sherwood. Uh, James Sherwood, this is his only acting credit on IMDb. I'm not even sure if he got like a, more than a line other than just ordering a drink. I think he's listed under art department or something like yeah, that for other he, stuff. And you know what? Somebody, they might have just been like working as, as crewman on this show or something and just like plucked for this one. Um, the three uh, actresses, Bonnie was played by Tessa Richard, Yvonne played by Renee Gentry, and Jocelyn by Sharon Peters. I looked them up. Most of them didn't have much uh, in the way of credits other than Bonnie that you mentioned. She'd been in things like National Lampoons and things like that. One of the judges, uh, I don't remember which one, um, is still acting today. I mean, he's still got a very robust career, but it's all like little bit stuff. There's nothing where you can go, oh, he was in 32 episodes of Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. No, it's just he's all bit stuff. But he's still active, which is good for him. Yeah, yeah. 
I'm trying to think if there were any final things. Uh, oh, the um, Diane's facial tick that, that Sam kind of like plays on uh, is a callback to episode 10 from the season, Endless Slumper, uh, was when she first revealed that she had that tick. So uh, that Sam is able to remember that and pull that back. That's a callback to a previous episode. I wouldn't say he remembers it. I would say he manipulates you, her sure, into yeah. having it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's probably a good one. So, Like, big picture, the episode was kind of – it's a fun watch because there are a lot of good gags um, just based on the nature of, like, the setup and the premise. This isn't one I feel the need to rewatch a whole lot just for fun. But, you know, it's good. It's Well, yeah, I'll tell you what. It's not a mythology-building episode, if you will, right, whatever, right. but it is worth it for – the end of the contest when Diane wins. Yes. <laughs> and then the after the fact when they're talking about the trip to Bermuda and how she basically says, oh, I would have took you if you weren't going to be a gentleman. So I mean, <laughs> that works exceptionally well. So I, I think five there's – Yeah, the last five minutes. Well, you got to watch the previous yeah, 20 yeah. to set it up. Right. So it, the, the joke payoff's really good. Yeah. Um, for Norm's tab for this episode, I counted him having four beers, um, which takes him up to 86 for the series so far. So across 18 episodes, that's almost five beers an episode. Pretty that's much. a lot of beer to put away each day, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think. Because yeah. they're not like little 12-ounce cans. I mean, that, those are giant mugs. I'm sure he only drinks when we see him. And the other, you know, six days of the week, clean and sober. He's home with, with uh, his with wife, beer, Vera, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, so getting into the employee of the week. Um, I had Diane fairly obviously, um, because this episode is all about her and because of her reaction at the end. What do you think? I disagree. I think Diane is one of the worst employees of the week (laughs) because, again, she gave up on her principles and because, again, she was actively in in a position that could have hurt Cheers' reputation. So I don't think she deserves it, nor do I think Carla deserves it because I don't think I saw Carla wait on a single table the entire (laughs) episode. Cliff should not get it. He snapped and yelled at you know the other guy. Uh, Sam, as we already established, is the worst. And Coach was just pretty much absent-minded the whole time. So really, I think it kind of leaves Norm as the employee that we believe it or not. Because he was the least offensive. And he actually tried to broker a peace between Paul and Cliff. So I'm giving it to Norm. I, and, I think- and Diane's won too many damn times. There you go. I was going to say, you might be taking the word employee too, too literally in this case. I'm talking more about their performance, but Norm was good in this. Norm, for, for only doing a few things, he was really kind of fun and watchable. But yeah, I, I definitely think for, for being a Diane episode, she, she had a great reaction at the end. So yeah. uh, so that brings us to uh, our last question and the, the home run, the highlight, the funniest jokes. I've got a couple of them, but uh, yeah, definitely. What did you think was the best? I and if you've picked a different one, it's okay because everyone's got a, their own opinion. It would just be wrong. Mm-hmm. The, the highlight of the episode is when she finds out she's won a trip to Bermuda, <laughs> and Shelley Long lo- and I say Shelley Long, not Diane. She's screaming at the top of her lungs, jumping up and down, as you said, shrieking. Bermuda! I mean, it is. <laughs> riotously funny. I've watched this episode maybe three times now in the last couple of weeks in preparation. I laugh hysterically every single time. Just her, her octave of her voice and the jumping, it's a riot. Yeah. Uh, no, it was so good. Like Her reaction is is terrific. And I, I knew that you were going to pick that one, so I actually I went for another one. And oh. it's it's in the aftermath of that one. It's when she's alone with Sam and she's just, she's so just down on herself and hating herself. And she's like, I can't believe I sold out womankind for a trip to Bermuda. And Sam's response is like, Hey, don't feel bad. Most people would have done it for the free dry cleaning. 
That's a good one. That's yeah. good. My, my runners up are the that are the Federal Express joke, yeah. which I thought was really funny because of Cliff's you know overzealous reaction. Yep. Yep. Uh, the Sam and Diane one where or she slaps him across the face, which yep. was pretty funny too. It's the slap itself that's really the the great thing because she just smacks him and she's not even like furious. She just whoosh, and yes. walks away. And then the Coach had a couple of really great just typical Coach lines, which cracked me up in the beginning. Where it's 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 a one plus one equals three kind of thing is how, how, how coach usually works he takes two things that don't go together and comes up with a resolution that doesn't make sense where I, i'm not even going to go through all of it but the the punchline of the joke was he thinks diane's pregnant yes yeah because he's put too many wrong things together <laughs> and then then later on when he's comparing the the contest he's like no 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 diane it's not like a, a heifer contest in that one you take the cow to the judges and you do all this of this and she's making him feel better and she goes no no and this the, the judges I, i've got yeah. it all turned around i've got it all messed up but either way the, the joke is that he takes the cows to the judges right right so i screwed that joke up even even more than coach would have but either way it's a funny gag so yeah. those were those were my runners up yeah i i had almost the same ones too but definitely like the the federal express and he's mine and like <laughs> like this reaction to that one but yeah no i i just i love that at the very end <laughs> sam's just don't feel bad most people would have sold out for the dry cleaning so good stuff good stuff yeah. All right. Well, Shag, thank you very much for, uh, and thank you to your your daughter as well for being on this episode of Cheerscast. Where can people find you in the podcastosphere if they want to hear more from you? Uh, same place they found this, the Fire and Water Podcast Network. That's per, where pretty much all my shows are. You, you rattled them off in the beginning, so just uh, tune on to any number of those shows, and you'll find me. Cool. Thanks again for being on the show, and thank you listeners for tuning in. You know you can support the show on Facebook and Twitter, and you can leave a comment on the post at fireandwaterpodcast.com. Until next time, we're closed. I really didn't expect to win this contest. It has, it has been quite, it has been quite, it has been quite an experience. Now I would like to tell you my feelings about this contest. But before you do that, Diane, let me tell you what you've won. That's really not necessary. If there Something was, every waitress needs. A six months worth of free dry cleaning at Ritz Cleaners. Thank you. Thank you. Contests such as these can do nothing... And for entertaining at home, a kitchen helper food processor. Oh. <laughs> Thank you, that's nice. I've always wanted one. <laughs> but really, ladies and gentlemen, it's so important... A $200 to gift certificate from Filey's Department Store where you can pick out some new outfits for that week-long vacation you and a friend will be taking to Bermuda! I sold out womankind for a trip to Bermuda. Oh, hey, come on. Don't feel so bad. Most people would have done it for the dry cleaning. <laughs>